God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you believe that? Maybe you feel like you're at a dead end today and there's no way out, no way through. I just want you to know that when you come to a dead end, you're really at the place where God works his greatest miracles. You're just at the place of a miracle, that's all. And God wants to work miracles in our lives. I believe with all my heart that God wants to make a way for you today. Maybe there's some area of your life where you feel stuck. God wants to blow away the barriers that keep you from going to the next level. He wants you to break free and he can make a way where there seems to be no way because we have a God who is a way maker. Do you believe that? Do you receive what God is getting ready to say to you through his word today? You can be seated. I want us just to thank him. Lord, we thank you for just being here right now and I thank you that you're right there with everyone who's worshiping with us online, wherever they are in the world. Lord, you're right here with everyone at the Woodlands campus or Atascacita campus. Lord, I know that you know everything that we're going through. And I thank you that you are a way maker. You who made the heavens and the earth, there's no problem, Lord, too great for you to handle. And there's no problem in our lives so small that you don't care about it. You care about everything we go through. And I know that a lot of people came in here today a little stressed out because of all the busyness of this season, but Lord, help us just to stop and focus on you so everything can come into perspective. We thank you for all your blessings, and I thank you, Lord, in advance that you want to do miracles today in lives and in hearts, that you want to change us through your word. And so we just ask you to open up our hearts to receive all the blessings you have for us today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you walk through the bustling and crowded hallways of Terminal C at Bush Intercontinental Airport, you come to this intersection of hallways where there's a little circle on the floor, and it's tiles that form this little circle, and then you're underneath a domed ceiling, and if you step into the circle and you talk, everything you say is amplified and it echoes throughout the terminal. Some of you guys know exactly where I'm talking about. You've been there many times. I remember when my kids were little and we would go through the airport if we were catching a flight out of Terminal C. They always wanted to stop and stand in that circle and yell, hello, 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 hello. Hello, 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 hello. Even if we were running late, to catch a flight, and we thought we might miss our flight. It was just too tempting. They always had to stop and yell. But I have to admit, I still do it. Just a few weeks ago, I stopped and I yelled. There's just something about being in the middle of this massive and busy airport terminal and being able to step into a little circle and have your voice amplified and echo through the halls and you step outside of the circle, and then your voice is just one more voice out of the hundreds of voices and noises that are all around you, but you step into the circle, and your voice is amplified, and it echoes, and it feels really good. I want you to know there's a divine circle that God wants you to step into so that everything you say and do will be amplified in this life and echo into eternity and it's called the blessing circle. It's a circle that God wants all of us to live inside to experience all of his blessings that he has for us in life. This blessing circle is where God wants us to live. And he talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now let me tell you, you can't earn God's blessings. I can't earn or deserve God's blessings in my life. It's like salvation. We can't earn or deserve salvation. You just have to receive it. And that's the way God's blessings are. We can't earn or work our way to deserve God's blessings, but we can put ourselves in position to receive God's blessings, to be in the blessing circle. Because God blesses in the blessing circle. If I'm outside the blessing circle, I don't receive the blessings God intends for me. 
if I step into the blessing circle, then I can receive all that God has for me. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and follow along with me as God talks about this blessing circle that he wants us to live in. It's not the stressing circle, it's the blessing circle. Some of you have been in the stressing circle lately, haven't you? Or the depressing circle. God wants you to live in this blessing circle, and he talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. You can be seated. I want you to focus in on the phrase, the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. God tells the people there's this supernatural circle that I want you to step into, and if you do, I will bless you in everything you do. And that's what it means to live in the blessing circle that blessing permeates every area of your life, your relationships, your family, your work, your finances, your decisions, your schedule, that blessings permeate every area of your life when you step into the blessing circle. And God says, I want you to live in this blessing circle because I want to bring blessing in your life. Now, the biblical definition of blessed here is Divine power, provision, and purpose working for you. So you have God's divine power, his provision, his purpose working for you. It's like Holy Spirit momentum. You can never earn or deserve, but you can put yourself in position to receive it. Pastor Robert Morris says, the days of a blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meaning. A blessed person may or may not be wealthy by the world standards, but they enjoy a quality of life that most billionaires would envy. That's what it means to live in that blessed circle where you feel the power and the provision of God and you're right in the middle of his purpose and he gives you everything that you need and you see God at work in your life. But I have to tell you, there's also a cursed circle. Uh, the Bible here in Deuteronomy 28 goes on to say that if you choose not to follow these principles, then you will live in the cursed circle. God says there'll be a curse on everything you do. He's not talking about some magic spell. It's just that in everything you do, divine power, provision, and purpose will be working against you. And that's an empty feeling. That's a frustrating place to live outside of the blessing circle. Cursed just means, biblically, divine power, provision, and purpose working against you that you're not aligned with what God has for you. But here's the good news, Woodlands Church. The blessing circle is available for every Christ follower. God wants every Christ follower to live in the blessing circle and it's right next to you. The blessing circle is right there next to every Christ follower, but there is a barrier that separates us from the blessing circle. You see, to enter the blessing circle, I've got to go through the door of God first living. To, to get into the blessing circle, you've gotta go through the door of God first living, and that's what he talks about here. Before he talks about all the blessings, he talks to the people and says, if you wanna live in the blessing circle, you gotta put me first in those important areas of your life. If you wanna live in the blessing circle, then you gotta put me first because I deserve first place. I created you, I made you, I am God. You're not, I demand first place in your life. Not second, not fifth, first. That's the secret to stepping into the blessing circle. It's God first living and we're concluding this little mini series leading up to our Christmas services that we're calling God first Christmas because when you put God first, then everything in your life comes into alignment and you experience the blessings of God. If you don't put God first, then nothing in your life really comes into alignment. And so God wants us to step into this blessing circle. 
but he really speaks to something more specific, and it's really powerful. And I really want you to get this, because God says to the people, you need to know there's no such thing as God first living without God first giving. God says God first giving is so important because without God first giving, there can be no God first living. And he talks a lot about this in Deuteronomy. saying you can't live in the blessing circle without God first giving. Because the first always belongs to God. How do you put God first in the important areas of your life? Well, you recognize the first always belongs to God. In Exodus 13, God said, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me. Whether human or animal, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Focus in on that phrase, belongs to me. God says, the first belongs to me. It's mine. Now, this is the principle of the firstborn. And that is in the Old Testament. Every firstborn had to either be sacrificed or redeemed. There was no third option. Every firstborn had to be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, if in your flocks you had a firstborn lamb, that lamb had to be sacrificed. And that was the way they made their living back then. It was by their flocks and by their farming. That was their income, their bank account. And so if you had a firstborn, if a, if a lamb or if a sheep had a firstborn lamb, that lamb had to be sacrificed. If you had a firstborn son, then there would have to be an unblemished, perfect lamb sacrificed so the child could be redeemed. So the firstborn child would always be redeemed by sacrificing an unblemished, perfect, spotless lamb. What a foretelling of Jesus coming, that Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, came to us to be sacrificed for all of our sins so that we could be redeemed. That's what it was showing, that Jesus was coming and that he would be sacrificed so that we could be redeemed, uh, which is blessed, so that we could be redeemed, that we could be blessed with heaven and salvation and forgiveness. So the child would be redeemed. The perfect unblemished lamb would be sacrificed so the child could be redeemed. Now, you need to understand that we're no longer under the law in the New Testament. And so we don't sacrifice animals. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He took care of all that. So we don't sacrifice animals anymore because of Jesus Christ, the ultimate perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. But the principle still remains. I mean, God's principles are always the same. And so the principle of the first remains, that the first always belongs to God. Why? Because the first requires faith. For you see, whenever they had a sheep that would have the first lamb, they didn't know if that sheep would have one lamb or 10 lambs. But the first lamb was God's, not the 10th, the first one. And so if they would obey God in this area and realize that the first belongs to God and they would sacrifice that first lamb, then God would bless their flocks and they would have abundant flocks. And this was their income. This was their stocks. This was the way they made their livelihood. And so they had to trust God. It, you know, it wouldn't be, hey, God, I don't know if this sheep is gonna have any more little lambs, but this is, and so I tell you what, if this sheep has 10 lambs, then I'll give you the 10th. I'll sacrifice the 10th. No, it was the first. Why? Because the first requires faith. And when they did that, they would step into the blessing circle and God would bless their flocks beyond measure. You see, the first belongs to God, so you give the first to God. Why? So he can redeem the rest, so he can bless the rest. You give the first to God so that he can bless the rest. You give God the first part of your day, spend 10 minutes reading God's word and praying before you go off in your day, then he will redeem the rest of your day. He'll redeem your time, the Bible says. He'll bless the rest of your day. You'll be more effective and more productive. You give God the first day of your week like you're doing right now. You come to church for an hour and you put God first. It recalibrates your life so he can redeem the rest of your week, so he can bless the rest of your week. You give God the first part of your income so he can redeem the rest, so he can bless the rest. 
in Proverbs 3, 9, it tells us the principle of the first fruits. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Saying, give God the first of all you make and that's the tithe. Talks about it all through scripture. You give God the first 10% of all you make, your income, not the last and the leftovers, but the first 10% so he'll bless the rest. He can redeem the rest. You give him the first and best so he can bless the rest. See, God doesn't need you to give, but you need to be blessed. God doesn't need me to give, but I need to be blessed. And that's why you give God the first because it belongs to him. And if you don't give God what belongs to him, you move out of the blessing circle. And that's when you move into the cursing circle. That's when you have divine power and provision and purpose working against you and you don't feel the power of God in your life when you don't obey him in this area. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, I I love this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Focus in on that phrase that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the word for cheerful in the Greek here is the Greek word hilaros, and that's where we get our English word hilarious. So he's saying God loves a hilarious giver, which I find hilarious, because when it comes to giving, you know, you don't see a whole lot of people respond with hilarity when they give. When it comes to giving, it seems like a lot of people respond just the opposite of that. I mean, when it comes to giving, some people get mad, some people get angry. When it comes to giving, some people get anxious and they get stressful. When you talk about anything about finances, they get worried about finances. And then there's some people that give reluctantly or grudgingly but it seems like there's not a lot of people that think giving is hilarious and they just love it so much. Now, he's not talking here. That word hilaros uh, didn't mean the back slapping, rolling on the floor, belly laughing kind of hilarious. It literally meant satisfied, fulfilled, joyful. A hilarious giver is satisfied, fulfilled, and joyful. Givers are fulfilled and joyful because giving is the secret to living. I mean, the secret to living is this principle, God first giving. It's a paradox of life that God put into the universe when he created the world that whatever it is you need, you've got to give it away. It's so supernatural. It goes against our natural instinct to step into the blessing circle. When we need something, we're outside the blessing circle, we feel like we need to go get something. But God says, no, what you do to step into the blessing circle is you give away whatever it is you need. It's just a principle of life. It's a paradox, but it's a principle of life. Whatever it is you need, you've got to give that away. If you need energy, you don't lay on the couch eating junk food. I've tried it many a time, and it does not give you any energy. It just takes away energy. No, you have to give energy and exercise. And over time, that energy comes to you because you gave away what you needed. You need friends, what do you do? Just kinda lay around waiting for friends to come. What do you do? Do you go around going, man, I need some friends. No, that's not gonna work. No, you just be a friend to others that need friends. You just be friendly, you just be a friend, you give away your friendship, and I'm telling you, you're gonna have lots of friends. Whatever it is you need, you've got to give it away. It's the same thing with finances. Whatever it is you need, you've got to give it away. It belongs to God anyway, and you give it to God. This is the secret to living. The people that discover this and live in the blessed zone, they discover the joy, the fulfillment, the satisfaction of what life is all about. 
I love the first two words in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, I love where it says, remember this. Remember this, because he's trying to say, you forget. You've got spiritual amnesia. Remember this principle, because if you forget this, you're gonna be miserable. You gotta remember this principle, because this is the secret to living. Remember this. He doesn't say know this, because they already knew this principle. It was just that they would forget, because it went so against their natural thinking. It was supernatural. And sometimes they would move out of the blessing circle and they wouldn't know exactly what happened. It's like, what's going on? It feels like, you know, I'm going against the wind all the time. It feels like that I have no power and provision in my life, the things that I really need. And so they'd move out of that and then God said, remember this. Paul told remember this, because you keep forgetting. This is why this is happening in your life, because you moved out of the blessing circle. You, you forgot, it's not, not all about getting, it's about giving. When you have a need, you've gotta give what you need. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, let, let's look at it closer. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Focus on that phrase, God is able. You see, if you struggle with giving, it's really because you don't believe that God is able. This is what it comes down to. Do we have a God who is able to fulfill his promises? Do we have a God who is able to meet my needs? Do we have a God who's able to meet your needs? Does he know what your needs are? Does he care about your needs? And is he able to meet your needs? That's what it comes down to. And so if you struggle with giving, it's just that you don't have a God big enough to meet your needs. And that's really sad. When we have a God who's the maker of heaven and earth, is God able? That's really what it comes down to. It's like believing that God is able to keep his word. He is able to give you everything that you need abundantly, it says. Do you believe God is able to bless you abundantly? He's saying, remember this. Never forget it. And he's also saying here, remember that God is the source of all blessings. Because if you forget that, that God is the source of all your blessings, you're gonna be miserable in life. Why? Because you'll think you're an owner. But we're not owners, we don't own anything. It's okay to have nice things, but they're just on loan from God. God is the only owner. We're just wealth managers. We're not wealth owners. We're just stewards of what God has given us. And God says, that's great, enjoy those things. Give me back what's mine. Enjoy the things I've given you. It's okay to have nice things, but you better understand, they're just on loan. You may have them for 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years, and then boom, you give them all away. You can't take them with you. They're just on loan. And you need to understand this because if you don't, you're gonna live stressed out and frustrated constantly. And there's a real myth that says only poor people worry about finances. Study after study has shown that's just not true. It's that the wealthier you are, the more you worry about finances. The more you have to worry about, the more you have to insure, the more you have to protect, the more you have to stress over that the more you have, the more you worry about finances. Isn't that interesting? Because we start thinking we're owners. We don't own anything. It's just all on loan from God. And one day, you're gonna give it all away because you can't take it with you. And so really, we're all great givers. The question is not, are you a great giver? The question is, will you be a dead giver or a cheerful giver? That's the only question. I mean, because we're all gonna give it away one day. We can't take it with us. And so God says, I want you to learn how to be a cheerful giver because you're not a wealth owner, you're a wealth manager. If you don't get that, if you forget that, you're gonna be miserable in life. If you think you're an owner and you just focus on all these things here, trying to protect them, and you're gonna lose it all one day. You're gonna lose it all. You're gonna give it all away. And you're gonna be stressed and frustrated and miss out on what life is all about. But I love how he goes on to say in that verse, having all that you need, that God is able 
to bless you abundantly, to give you all that you need. Do you believe God is able to give you all that you need? God wants to give you all that you need. God, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills those cattle are upon, the God who put the stars in space, he knows what you need and he wants to give you everything you need. Do you believe that God is able to give you everything you need? Now, God doesn't give me everything I want because a lot of times what I want is not what I need. But he always gives me everything I need in abundance. He blesses you to be a blessing. And he wants you to learn this principle. And in verse six of 2 Corinthians chapter nine, let's look at that again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's saying, remember God wants to bless you. He's saying, remember that it's all from God. And some people say, well, you know, I'm a self-made man or a self-made woman. I mean, I've earned everything. I didn't start out wealthy, I worked my way up, I did it all. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and, and I earned it. Well, who gave you the health that you have to be able to earn? Who gives you your very breath and who can take it away instantly? Who gives you your next heartbeat and could take it away instantly? God, it's really all from God. But the great news is, he says, don't, don't just understand that everything you have is from God. Everything that and you're only really given back what God's given you in the first place, that's God's. But God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you and you get to play a part in it based on how much you trust him. Whoever sows sparingly, you're gonna harvest sparingly. Whoever plants generously is gonna harvest generously, and this is the law of the harvest, and all farmers understand this, and this was an agricultural community, and so their income was their produce, and so they really got what this passage is saying, and you know the law of the harvest. I mean, the first part of the law of the harvest is you only harvest what you plant. I mean, if you plant beans, you're not going to harvest corn. If you plant apple seeds and grow apple trees, you're not going to harvest oranges, Whatever you plant, you're going to harvest, and whatever you plant in life, you're going to harvest. The law of the harvest is a spiritual principle as well as a physical principle. It's a law of the universe, this law of the harvest, and that is whatever you plant, that's what you're gonna harvest and get back. If you plant criticism, I guarantee you, you're gonna be criticized a lot. If you plant negativity, then you're gonna harvest a lot of negativity. Whatever it is you plant, you're going to harvest. But here's the amazing thing. The second part of the law of the harvest says, but you're always gonna harvest more than you plant. You always will harvest more than you plant. It's the law of multiplication. A farmer knows if he plants seven and a half pounds of corn seed, he's not going to get back in the harvest seven and a half pounds of corn. No, on average, he'll get back 120 bushels of corn for seven and a half pounds of corn seed. You plant seven and a half pounds of corn seed, you're gonna get back so much more than you planted, 120 bushels of corn. And so God says here, whatever it is you plant, you're gonna get it back, but it's gonna be multiplied. Exponentially multiplied. Whatever it is you plant, you always get back so much more. But you have to plant first because it requires faith. You know, farmers have to have faith. They plant their seed in the ground and have faith that's gonna grow. They give away their seed to the ground. I mean, if, if a farmer comes down to his last bag of seed, he doesn't say, well, this is my last bag of seed. I better hold on to that because I can't afford to plant this. This is my last bag of seed. I can't afford to give this away to the soil. It's my last bag of seed. I've gotta hold on to this. No, he knows that if he plants it in the soil, gives it away to the soil, then it will multiply but it takes some faith. When we plant first, that's when we have faith. A lot of times we wanna, you know, we wanna harvest first and then plant. And it's like, God, if you'll give me this amazing harvest, then I will plant some of it. God, if you give me, you know, this amazing financial blessing, then I'll give back some of it. No, that's called gratitude, and it's really important but it doesn't require faith. Faith is when you give in advance, and that's why God always requires the first. That's why it's always the first 10%, not the last 10%. It's not the leftovers. 
It's the first because God wants to bless the rest and it requires faith that you have to believe God is able. God, are you able? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna step out in faith. I'm gonna do it. God wants to bless. So you plant first and then the harvest comes. I was speaking to a, a little church out in West Texas years ago. I had a friend who was the pastor and he asked me to come out and preach and so drove out to West Texas and it was all these farms and wheat fields and cornfields for miles and then this little town and a little church and and I preached, I knew they were all farmers, and I preached this principle of the law of the harvest, and I said, now you know so much more than I do because I don't know a whole lot about agriculture, but, but I do know that you go out and you plant, and then you plant first, and then you harvest. I mean, how crazy would it be if you guys planted the seeds, and then the next day you went out and kind of dug it up to see if it had grown? And I thought, wouldn't that be hilarious? And afterwards, everybody came up to me, and they said, that's exactly what we do. I said, what? They go, yeah, I mean, right after we plant, the next day we go out to see if it's taking, if it's starting to sprout a little bit, is it working? And I go, does that help? And they go, oh, no, not at all. It's just that that's what we do. I go, oh, you're just like me in life, aren't you? I go plant, and then I kind of dig it up. God, God, where, where's the blessing? I need it. God says, it's coming. It's coming, but you got to plant first. You don't harvest and then plant. You plant and then you harvest because it takes faith. You plant, and God says, I'm gonna give you back what you planted, but it's gonna be multiplied because you can't outgive me. That's God's promise to us. In Malachi 3.10, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the church, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it saying bring the whole tithe, that first tent, into the storehouse, give it back to me in worship. He's talking about the church because Chris and I give to charity, but we don't tithe the charity because it's not worship. It's good, there's a lot of good charities out there to give to, but, but you, you give to your local church family because why? That's worship, it's part of your worship. You're singing, your Bible study, you're giving, you're living, it's part of worship, and God says, you can test me in this. And so giving is really a heart test for us to show us where our heart is and we believe God is able and he keeps his promises. And it's also a test for God's character. Will God come through? And God says, please test me because I will come through. I'll meet your needs. I'll bless you in a very important area of your life and you'll get to see that I am real. Now there are three types of cheerful givers. First is what I call the spontaneous cheerful giver. A spontaneous cheerful giver, when they get inspired, when they get motivated, when they get really moved, they give. And it's a good thing. Anytime you give, it's a really good thing. And so when they get really moved and inspired, they, I'm gonna give, and they give. The problem with that is, that's the least mature way to be a cheerful giver. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? That is, if you only give when you're inspired, then you're gonna to forget to give at times and you're not gonna live in the blessing circle. You'll be outside the blessing circle because it won't be a priority in your life. And you'll forget, that's why he says remember. Hey, remember you guys that are spontaneous, cheerful givers, remember that you gotta live in the blessing circle by making it a habit. I wonder if any of you are spontaneous mortgage payers because um, I don't know if your bank would like that very much. I don't know. It's like, man, I feel really inspired to pay my mortgage this month. This house is awesome. And you forget about it for several months. Then I feel really inspired. You're a spontaneous mortgage payer. What if you were a spontaneous uh, electric bill payer? I mean, what? no, what do you do with your mortgage? It's so important. I mean, a lot of times you just have it taken right out so you know it's going to be paid right when it's supposed to be paid and it's never late. And because it's really important. And so it's okay to be a spontaneous, cheerful giver, but you're not gonna live in the blessing circle more than likely because you're gonna forget. And so you need to be a strategic, cheerful giver. A strategic, cheerful giver plans it. They've got it planned. They got the offering envelope when they come to church or, or they've set up recurrent giving online to make sure, hey, it's more important than my mortgage because my mortgage company can't 
doesn't have the power to bless me, but God does, and to be involved in the rest. So you make it a priority. You plan it. And I know so many of you have learned this principle of the first and giving God the first 10%. It belongs to him anyway. And you've learned that. You've learned the joy of it. And you're strategic, cheerful givers. It's like, it's what I do. Glad to do it. And it brings joy, purpose, and meaning. My kids know that's what we do. Taught my kids this. And it's so important to learn this principle. I'm glad that my parents taught me this principle. And their parents, you know, uh, taught him this principle. And I can go back generations and see that this principle, all different occupations, all different uh, places where they lived and parts of the country, but yet they learned this principle of putting God first. And I'm just so grateful for that. And so that's why it wasn't that hard, you know, as I'm growing up and just learned that principle. But if you didn't learn that principle, man, you can change generations when you start doing that and start living in the blessing circle. And God wants you to live in the blessing circle. But then there's not only the strategic cheerful giver, there's the sacrificial cheerful giver. That's when you give over and above your regular tithe, your 10% to give sacrificially. Why? Because you know God's gonna bless you. He, he says, you know, the, the more you plant, the more you're gonna harvest. Don't you get that? Because I'm able to bless you. I'm gonna meet your needs. I'm gonna bless you in every way because I want you to be a, a greater blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. And so Chris and I have just had the joy of being able to be sacrificial givers to give above and beyond our tithes and offerings at times just because we know God's called us to do it. And I know that this is a really special weekend for so many of you at Woodlands Church because this is the weekend where we give our God first year-end offering. It's the give your greatest gift to Christ offering that we've done for years and this is the last time I'll get to talk about it. You can give any time before the end of the year to this special offering, but this is something that our regular tenders look forward to every year. It's something that's helped Chris and I so much be able to help our kids learn to give sacrificially and to help the church learn to give sacrificially and to put God first at Christmas. And so since it's the last chance, probably I'll get to talk about it before the end of the year. I want to just go over it once again as we're going to take our offering in a moment and this is over and above our regular tithes and offerings to really say, God, I want you to do a great work in my life this year. God, I want you to bless. I want you to strengthen me. And I know that whatever I give, you're gonna give back more. You're gonna take care of me. It's really to help us grow in our faith. That's the number one reason. It's not that God needs your giving, but he wants your heart, what it represents. And you need to be blessed. That's what it's all about. There is a practical reason, and that is our church, like all churches and nonprofits, um, really relies on that year-end offering and the year-end giving. It can be a big part of the ministry and missions budget. And so it really can determine, like next year, everything that we do, do we have to cut back our ministries and missions, or can we expand our ministries and missions to reach more people for Christ, to make a greater difference for Christ? And so it, it's really important in that regard, but the main thing is, you need it and I need it, so that we can stretch and watch God work in our life, and so the real question is not what can I afford to give, or you know, what should I give, it's how much do you want God to bless you this year? How much do you want God to work in your life? How much do you wanna see God work in a very important area of your life? God first giving, and stepping into the blessing circle. That's what it's all about, and so, Maybe if you've never practiced the habit of tithing and putting God first and giving the 10%, that could be your commitment this year, that you're gonna start today, you're gonna tithe, you're gonna set up recurrent giving, you're gonna start tithing, and you're gonna watch God meet your every need. And you're gonna be amazed because that's God's guarantee to us. And if you've never tested that, you don't have a God who's big enough to meet your needs, you're gonna find out you have a God that's more than big enough. He put the stars in space and he can meet your needs and he'll bless you abundantly. And I just want you to discover that. And maybe that would be your commitment. You're gonna start tithing. For, I know for those, many of you who already know that joy, there's a chance to give over and above for God's glory, to say, God, thank you for all that you're doing in my life, but God also, I'm giving in faith, I'm planting, because I know you're gonna bless, and you're gonna strengthen, and you're gonna meet my needs beyond measure. What a great chance to stretch our faith. And one of the important things I want you to know is, it's between you and God. 
That's why he says that you give not under compulsion, but what you've decided in your heart to give. He's talking about over and above your regular tithes because the tithes belong to God. Uh, tithing is not giving, it's just returning what God has said is his. And so if you take from what is God's and you don't tithe, he's gonna get it back. He'll always get it back, probably in this life, but he'll get it back one day because you'll give 100% of it back. I mean, God is, right now, he's batting a 1,000, you know? I mean, that is that everybody dies and nobody's take, nobody can take it with them. I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul, and so you, you can't take it with you, and so you'll always give it back. But God wants you to experience his blessing. As you give back what is his, you move into the blessing circle. Um, but then God also calls us at times to give more. But here's the thing. We can't all give the same amount, and that's why he says, hey, when you give above your tithes and offerings what's God's in the first place, then don't ever give reluctantly or under compulsion. Give what you decided in your heart God wants you to give. And that's why, pray about it. Ask God what you, you should give. And give what God has placed in your heart to give. So if anyone ever pressures you to give, just tell them, mm, sorry, you know, there's no rewards in heaven for pressure. If someone comes to your door and tries to pressure you to give to their organization, you get something in the mail that pressures you, just let them know, Pastor Kerry told me down at the church that, that it doesn't count in heaven if I give because you pressured me. You know, don't, don't ever give because of pressure. That's why we never pressure people to give at Will and Church. You give what God calls you to give. And you, we can't all give the same amount, but we can give the same sacrifice. And maybe $100 for you over and above your regular tithes this year is a sacrifice because you've gone through some tough stuff this year. Or maybe you know, you'd have to give six figures for it to even come close to being a sacrifice. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, and some of you are going, man, I wish I was that person, you know. No, you don't, because to whom much is given, much is required. God will hold every one of us accountable according to what he has given us. A and you know, study after study shows that the more you make, the less you give. Did you know that? The less percentage you give. I guess, you know, if you're making, you know, $500 a week, then $50 doesn't seem like a lot, the first 50. But when you start making $5,000 a week, it seems like a lot. And a lot of people drop out of the game and they move out of the blessing circle because they think, oh, I'm making a lot. And they wonder why they feel empty on the inside. It's just because of greed. You know, God says the tithe is, is mine. It belongs in the storehouse. It belongs by putting me first. And so... I just am so grateful for what God does through you at Woodland Church, but really what it's about is our own hearts, our own hearts, our own lives, our families for generations. And so we're gonna give our offering in just a moment, and um, the way we do that, you can write your check, put it in that little envelope that we gave you and give your offering, or you can um, go to wc.org give and you can set up recurrent giving. For those of you who worship online, it's a great way to do it right now, to give your God first year-end offering. Or you can go to WC, or you can text a Give WC right on your phone. Just text the word Give WC to 77977. It'll go right to our Push Pay app, and you can set up recurrent giving there. And you can give your God first offering. You can mail it in. You can um, give stocks directly to the church, and you don't have to pay the capital gains on it. There's many things that you can do to give many ways, but give and make sure you become a strategic giver so you can stay in the blessing circle for God's glory. That's what it's all about. Be a strategic giver for his kingdom. You know, the amazing thing is if your family has never tithed, if your family has never given sacrificially, if you never learn that, you know, it's harder to learn if you never learn that, it seems like a bigger deal anyway, but it's really not. God always takes care of you. But you can change generations. You can change generations if you begin to learn this principle. Generations. If you start putting God first in your finances and you teach your kids this, and as they grow up, they learn this, that they get 10 bucks in allowance, they give the first dollar back to God, they make 100 bucks mowing the lawn, $10 goes back to God, the first 10 and they'll start experiencing the blessing circle. And I'm telling you, it can change generation after generation after Now, I know every kid has their own choice in everything, but I'm, there's something about this that when you teach that next generation, they get it. 
And, and that's what happened in my family line. And that's why you can go way back and see, wow, they learned that. And that's why I experienced that today. And so you can really break generational curses by putting God first in this area and stepping into the blessing circle. And it can make a difference for generations to come. I love this next verse, Exodus 26. God says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. A thousand generations. Wow. And I love in number six where God told Moses to tell Aaron, the high priest, that he needed to stand in front of all the people and say this blessing. And God gave him the exact words. He says, you speak this blessing. It's not even a prayer. It's just speak this blessing over them, and I'm going to bless. You know, and God had told them all about God first giving and God first living. And God says, if you do this, then I'm going to bless you. And now kind of to confirm it all, I want you to speak this over the people as they put me first. Speak this over the people. And so we want to sing this over you because, by the way, now in the New Testament, we don't need a priest to go through to get to God. You can go directly to God. And so we are the high priest, the Bible says now. We can go directly to God. And, and so we're to speak this over our family, over our homes, over our church family. Speak this blessing. God says, I will bless. And so We want to speak this by singing it over you today. Let's sing it over each other as we get ready to put God first. Let's sing this and confirm this, this blessing from the Lord God. As God wants to bring blessing into our lives, God wants to bless you. So let's sing this. Stand with me and let's sing this to the Lord. And as you're singing it to the Lord, think about the generations to come in your life. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? It's not about leaving an inheritance. It's about leaving a legacy. And that legacy all comes from not even saving. It's a good thing. But giving. It comes from giving. That's what it's all about. A legacy of generosity. That's what you want to leave. A legacy of generosity that changes generations. Let's sing this to each other. And let's speak this to each other as we put God first. God is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He loves you. He wants the best for you more than you want the best for yourself. We've got a God who loves us so much that he came at Christmas for one reason, to go to that cross so that the perfect sinless Lamb of God would be sacrificed for all of our sins so that we could receive all of his blessings and be redeemed. Let's pray together. Dear God, we come before you. And Lord, as I sang that over our congregation, I thank you that you're going to answer that and that you want to bless and strengthen us, Lord, for generations to come. And I thank you, Lord, that at Woodland Church, when one person comes to Christ, it's not one person coming to Christ So many times it's generations that'll be changed forever. And Lord, when one steps into that blessing circle, it's not just one, Lord, it's generations that can be changed for your glory. And I pray that you would do that. Lord, so we give you our God first Christmas offering because you're the birthday boy. You are the one who is worthy of presence and praise. And so we only give back to you, Lord, what, you've already given us in the first place. Everything that we give to you is really from you. So we're really just returning. And, but Lord, we give because we love you. And we love what you're doing through the ministries of Woodland Church. But Lord, it's mainly just because we love you, we trust you, and we know you're able. And we give, and what a privilege and a joy it is, Lord. How fun it is to be able to give. And sometimes, Lord, we start out a little nervous and anxious about it. And Then we give, and then we feel your presence and your power and and your provision. I thank you that you're going to do that for your glory in the lives of everyone who gives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you can be seated. Our ushers are going to come at this time, and we're going to take our offering, and you can give your regular tithes and offerings, and also our um, God First offering. Um, If you haven't planned and been ready to go, then maybe you want to give that, you know, go home and, and Go on the computer and give in that way or pray with your family, but give for God's glory. Um, I want to make a few announcements while we uh, give. 
First, our Christmas Eve services, believe it, they're here Wednesday, isn't that amazing? And it's called The Miracle of Christmas. It's gonna be um, one of the most powerful, creative ones we've ever done. We've been working on it for a long time. And if you, need, if you know anyone who needs a miracle, get them here. Because God wants to work a miracle in our lives in a big way. And The Miracle of Christmas is gonna be so creative, it's gonna be so powerful. It starts Wednesday, December 22nd at 7 p.m. And we're gonna have a special communion service during that one. Um, and so I really encourage you, Wednesday, December 22nd, if you're a regular attender, come to that one and uh, kick it all off. I think that's going to be packed. And then Thursday, December 23rd, 7 p.m., Friday on Christmas Eve, it's 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9 p.m., and they're all the same service, the miracle of Christmas, and this is at the Woodlands campus, and then 11 p.m. traditions. Um, I would just say, if you're a regular attender, don't come to the 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. That's going to be so over, overflowing with uh, people who are new to the church. So make sure you come to one of the earlier ones, or maybe Wednesday night or Thursday night, and, or one of the later ones. That would be awesome. But come to one of those, um, and then serve at one of the services. And, and then the Festival of Lights. The Festival of Lights has been awesome. It's tonight from 6 to 9, and it will be Monday night, 6 to 9, Tuesday night, 6 to 9, then it's all through the Christmas Eve services. And it's free, and you can bring people, and it's all about just blessing our community and um, letting them know about Christmas Eve, the true meaning of Christmas. Let's stand together. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Joy to the world and joy to your heart. Let's sing to the Lord. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.